0: Hey, this is Tom Matthews uh,
1: from Return to the Living Dead as Freddy, and, uh, and you're listening to Don't Go Out There Podcast. Take care. You did what? You opened it, you stupid morons, you idiot. What's the matter with you, Frank? Heaven, I always told you never to even go near those goddamn tanks.
0: In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, It's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. Just want to thank all our fans and listeners. I really appreciate all support. Before jumping jump into tonight's legendary blood donor pick, just want to give a shout-out to our website, don'tgooutthere.com. We've got everything on our website you need to know about this podcast. we got all of our social media links uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Go follow us there. You know, we love interacting with our fans, you know, growing this uh, podcast. And uh, we do that by interacting with y'all. Uh, we also have all of our episodes, our interviews, our blog, our store. You know, all the good stuff is on our website. And, uh, you know, tonight's a blood donor pick. We have a Patreon, it's called Blood Donors. We have the, you know, the traditional reoccurring kind, five, $10 a month. You know, we do a lot of giveaways. So I think it's really worth it. You know, we get a lot of fans who ask how they can support us. Uh, So we created that. And with y'all's help, we really make a good product, a good podcast. And uh, we also have like one-time donations. Like tonight, if you want to come on our show, you want to pick a movie, we have that option available. Uh, Tonight is one of our biggest fans, Joe Larson. She's a legendary blood donor for a second time. And uh, Joe, why don't you go ahead and announce your pick for us?
2: So, all right. If you guys heard my first time on this show, I told you that my mom is the reason that we're so into horror movies. Uh, My sister's here with me, Casey, by the way. So uh, we picked the Return of the Living Dead because it was our mom's favorite horror movie. Uh, Mom passed away two Christmases ago. So there's ought to be a cool way to honor her. in her true horror movie fashion.
1: (laughs) Absolutely.
0: All right, I'll go next, Brian, real quick. Never seen this movie until, you know, Joe picked it. Uh, We've had to reschedule it a couple times, so (laughs) I've had to rewatch it just to refresh my mind. Uh, I think the movie's just okay, honestly. I mean, I have no nostalgia or no attachment to it. Uh, It's an 80s, super cheesy movie, but it's got a lot of Friday the 13th alum in it, some some big names in horror, like Linnea Quigley uh yeah been in silent night deadly night would love to get her on the show one day maybe i'll try maybe we make that happen maybe me and brian can make it happen uh miguel News jr so demon them damn enchiladas <laughs> and of course friend of the show tom matthews uh has got a lot of familiar faces but i don't know it's just kind of cheesy but sometimes cheesy is good go ahead brian
1: well So this is definitely an interesting one. Um, You know, just a little history. Obviously, this only exists because of the Night of the Living Dead being the original. And and apparently Romero and uh, John Russo made an agreement that they wanted to make a sequel, but wanted to make separate projects. So, you know, it's a very unique to see a, a franchise go this route. You know, Romero agreed that he would drop Living Dead from the title of his sequels. Hence the ones we got like Day of the Dead, so on and so forth. You know, we we definitely took a different route here. Um, Russo struggled to get it off the ground, I assume, due to its different nature of it. Um, you know, Toby Hooper was even connected to the project at one point. And speaking of Hooper, I mean, I think this is def. I think this definitely goes the same route that Texas Chainsaw Massacre two route, and uh, you know that whole black comedy route. And I think you either love it or you hate it. Um, but regardless, it, it launches. You know, friend of the show, Tom Matthew. Don't go out there, um, his legendary career, and you know, an even weirder sequel. So, <laughs> you know, as I've, I've as I've established, I you know, I, yeah, I, as I've established, I love the running, the talking, the thinking zombies. Well, I love the running zombies anyway. Um, but here we are, and uh, I'm ready to get into it. All righty. Any more opening thoughts before we jump into it? All right, let's do it.
0: All right, the film starts with text on screen, July third, nineteen eighty four, five thirty p.m. Eastern Daylight Time at a medical supply-like warehouse. Bert is heading out, and Frank is going to show Freddy the ropes. Frank says he'll see Bert at the barbecue. Frank shows Freddy around, and they pack up a skeleton into a wooden crate. The skeletons come from India. Back to walking through the warehouse, we see dogs for veterinarians, and now we're in a freezer. Frank says we need more inventory of bodies. Freddy looks a bit spooked as Frank jokes around. Now we see a group of teens walking down the street, and they want a party. Tina says he got a job. Speaking of, uh, Freddie and Casey, let's go, uh, says, let's go pick up Freddie. Cause he always knows where to party. Freddie asked Frank, what's the weirdest thing he saw in here? He asked Freddie if he's seen night of the living dead and says that's based on a real case. Freddie doesn't believe it. There was a chemical spill at a VA hospital in Pittsburgh. It caused the people in the morgue to jump around as if they were alive. It was a spray for marijuana developed for the army. The army shipped all the contaminated dirt out and kept it a secret. The bodies got shipped to where they were, uh, where they work, and not where they're supposed to go. Freddie is visibly shaken and is asked if he wants to see the bodies in the basement. They head down there. Frank shows uh, Freddie the bodies in these barrels. <laughs> Frank smacks the barrel, and smoke comes out of it. The two men pass out, and we get a title card and opening credits to a groovy score. Love the score of this movie. We see the body de thawing. The fumes get into the air conditioning. We see the body in the freezer begin to move and become alive again. Now it's 4 p.m. Pacific time. We see a car pull into a gate at a very nice home. The colonel gets home and isn't appreciative of his dinner. He goes into his bar room and makes a check-in call. Back to the table and he snaps on his wife when she asks him questions about finding the bodies. 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, the group is heading back to pick up Freddy. Suicide snaps on Spider and almost wrecks them. They get to the medical supply center and they realize he's not off for two more hours. They decide to go play in the graveyard. They break in and it's a mess. The music's back on. Freddy wakes up and Frank is coughing big time. Freddy says he doesn't feel good. They realize the body is missing out of the barrel. Frank pukes as they head upstairs. Frank says we shouldn't tell Bert and he's going to spray deodorant all over. They hear a dog now and realize the dead dog is alive. Frank beats it with a crutch. They hear pounding. Now the cadaver is pounding on the freezer door. They lock themselves in the office. They realize the chemicals brought the bodies back to life. Frank calls Burt, not the police, because he's worried about the company. And he casually tells Burt they have a problem. All right, go ahead,
1: Brian. <laughs> so I thought uh, right off the bat, I thought it was very interesting how we're given like the exact time and date right at the start. Um, you know, that almost sets it up kind of like a documentary style. I mean, I know it's not, but that was an interesting choice. Um, and right off the bat, we get introduced to James Karen's Frank, uh, rest in peace. He passed away in, in 2018. He's definitely a staple of this franchise and a horror legend himself. I mean, he was in Frankenstein movies, um and I think a few of these Return of the Living Dead uh sequels and Clue Gogger's Burt. He's more known for like some westerns and stuff and but he got into that into the Feast uh franchise which I actually haven't seen yet. But that's an um that came out in the early 2000s. And I'm going to be honest, like you can definitely tell Frank's early acting background like just in his over the top delivery of the lines he's given. It uh it definitely doesn't seem natural, um, you know, and this definitely sets the tone for the over the topness, over the top nature. Is that a word? Um, the whole over the top nature of the of the movie for sure. But but uh, I, I think James Karen kind of kind of steals this this first bit of the film here for me. And that's the thing with this movie. It's like serious one minute. Then it's like it's fucking around. It's it's such a bizarre, like unique movie. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's definitely one of the earliest meta takes on anything that I can remember.
2: Yes. Um,
1: You know, I do think it's cool how they established this isn't in the night of the living dead universe um, that it's different yet the same, something impressive about that and doing it 10 years before really anybody else started doing it. Um, Freddy kind of reminds me of us. Like, if someone you, you, people may think you're stupid, but you know, if someone told me there's real life zombies in the basement and Night of the Living Dead was based off of them, uh, yes, please. I mean, I would go down there and see him too. Um, you know, and I laughed at him using fucking Windex to wipe the container off.
2: It was so yeah, the whole roll of paper towels, like
1: so unnecessary. By don't. the way, I, I, I mean, I use the whole roll sometimes. I'm going to admit, but like, you know, it's still still a little bit uh. A little bit weird to even see him doing that. But, uh, uh, you know, then he hits it, and we get this, like, rocking 80s intro. Like, what is going on here? Um, I did think it was a great effect on the skeleton basically melting. Um, apparently, they just used layers of wax and melted the zombie. And that whole glass cracking was just a happy accident. Um, yeah. And uh, I don't know. I, I, for some reason, did anybody else get Caddyshack vibes from this opening <laughs> scene with uh, with Jonathan Terry's Colonel at his house? Um, by the way, you may recognize him from Halloween Three. By the way, but uh, but props to this movie though for its set pieces. You know, they, they really look good. They look huge, especially with the cemetery like this stuff impresses me since there's no CGI to kind of give it that grand scale that you expect nowadays. Uh, but let's spray some deodorant around here. And then he fucking beats a half dog. Not not a whole dog, like a <laughs> half dog. With, I mean, this fucking movie is nuts. Uh, and at this point, I, I think I love it at this point. And I don't know. That's a question mark. I think
2: I love it. I don't know. Go ahead. It's the meta. It's the meta. You love the meta.
1: <laughs> Maybe. Go ahead.
2: Um, the original opening for John Russo's version was... Very different. It wasn't until Dan O'Bannon got involved that you have the script and like the screenplay that you have on screen now. The original opening scene was going to be a funeral of a little girl, and her dad had to pound a stake through the little girl's head in the coffin to make sure that she was dead because they they wanted to really yeah drive home that the pardon, living dead. Pardon
1: me. I yeah. beg your pardon.
2: Yeah. Um, they were they were still trying to stick to like the whole not meta, not horror comedy thing um, before Dan O'Bannon got involved. But um, anyway, so he rewrote the script to what we know it as today. <clears throat> I think, personally, I think it's better. I think that's a little. It was different. It was a different version of the franchise. And that's one of the reasons that my mom loved it as much as she did was because it was just something different. And she right. grew up on those kinds of classic horror movies, style movies. And this one, we watched it, you know, four or five times a year for the last 15 years. <laughs> yes. So wow. It's definitely a, it's got a different vibe to it, but for good reason. <laughs> um, the At the very beginning where it says, based on true events, you know, it's still like, is it really, you know, it's in the 80s. So people are like, oh, you can't Google it. So <laughs> how do we know? I like that they say that they use the cadavers that they have for ballistic testing. Like, yeah, n- no, no, I'm pretty sure that's against uh, a whole bunch of military laws. Um, when he's talking about the the uh, the barrels aren't aren't going to break because they're made by the military corps of engineers. Anybody who ever ever had military family knows that anything that says military grade on it is just means it's from the lowest bidder promise you that (laughs) also after he followed up with saying typical military fuck up so he's on one hand saying that they're stupid and on the other hand this is great yeah (laughs) you're contradicting yourself when uh when frank sprays the lysol like it's gonna do something they actually had to get permission from lysol for him to be able to spray that in the movie um
1: I i wondered if they were sponsoring that
2: Yep. They, well, I don't know if they sponsored, but they definitely had to get permission for it. Um, and then the last thing that I have about this set of scenes is when they're in the office, there's like an eye chart in the background. Um, and if you read it, it says Bert is a slave driver and a cheap son of a bitch who is going bald to ha ha. Oh, <laughs> so wow. It's like, it's like this handwritten <laughs> eye chart. But if you read it, that's what it says. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I noticed the eye chart, but I, I couldn't see what the, the small letters said. I knew it said Bert is something. And I, I figured they were, they were trashing the boss man. <laughs> All right, uh, back to the cemetery. Spider and Trash converse about dying, and she says the worst way would be a bunch of old men circling her, biting her, and eating her alive. Trash rips her clothes off and begins to dance naked with flares and music blaring. Bert is back and bitching at the guys and snaps on Frank about the repercussions of what could happen to him and the company. Bert says in that movie they had to destroy the brain. Freddy opens the door as Frank panics. The cadaver runs out and tackles Bert. They hold the body down and Bert slams a pickaxe into its skull. It doesn't kill it though. Bert saws his head off now, but the body still waltzes around the warehouse knocking everything over. They tackle the cadaver again and tie it up. Freddy yells the movie lied about how to kill it. Bert looks out the window and says the crematorium is still open. Maybe we can go there. Bert asks for the bone saw. Suicide complains how he busts his ass for the group, and Trash says she likes it spooky as she flirts with him. He pushes her away. Casey thinks she sees Freddy walking through the mortuary. Bert walks in on Ernie, working on a cadaver, and Ernie asks if he wants coffee. He now explains rigor mortis. Bert asks how long they've been friends. 25 years, he says. He says he needs a huge favor. Bert's guys bring in the cadaver's body chopped into pieces. Bert says they're all rabid weasels. Ernie is hesitant, says take them to the pound. Ernie says it's cruel to burn animals alive. Ernie is very confused. Bert asks if he swears to keep a secret. He shows him the arm of the cadaver. It grabs Ernie's ankle and he falls to the ground. We got a long story to tell you. Chuck is flirting hard with Casey, but she tells him to go choke a chicken. Tina gets the time from Spider and says she's going to find Freddy he's about to get off work. She rings the doorbell and no answer. Ernie asks what's in it for me if I let you use the furnace. Freddie and Frank starting not to look too well. Bert tells Ernie he can have whatever he wants as he cuts off the loose fabric on his pants. He says, let's take care of your problem. He cranks the furnace up and says bones burn easy, and the heart is the toughest thing to burn. They load the pieces in the oven. The smoke from the burning body gets into the air now. Thunder and lightning now as it begins to rain. The kids all grab their stuff and run to the car. They complain their skin burns like it's acid rain. The car is not starting now, and they're all pissed. We go under the ground and see the rain hitting the corpses.
1: All right, go ahead, Brian. <laughs> so, Lene Quigley's dance sequence. I i uh, don't think I would get much argument if I said that it's probably the most memorable part universally, you know, by everyone in this movie. Um, you know, a funny fact about that, the first time she actually did the dance, one of the uh, executives came to the set that day, and uh, the producer freaked out and said, You can't have pubic hair. What? So... <laughs> they put a mold on her crotch. So there's actually nothing at all there. So I guess that's, you know, that's what we get here. You know, I, I guess technically it's not full frontal, um, but who the hell edited this? I mean, we go from that back to Frank and Bert, like arguing about the corpses and letting the corpse out. And Frank, for some reason, not even using the pickaxe. It's, it's just pure insanity. Um, I do love though, how, how they try to normalize, you know, zombie tropes and and nothing works like Anybody catch the embalmer being named Ernie, by the way? So we have Bert and Ernie owning companies across the street from each other. <laughs> Apparently, Dan O'Bannon was asked about that, and he said it was just a coincidence. But yeah, yeah okay. OK. Yeah, right. OK. Uh, and something about Ernie, I mean, you notice in the background some German and some Hitler memorabilia, but it's never really touched on besides besides that uh, World War II a German gun he had, um, you know, on the DVD commentary, though, O'Bannon does mention that his backstory is that Ernie uh, was intended to be an escaped Nazi in hiding. So I think Ernie is great though. Um, He's really down for whatever true ride or die friend right there. Um, He's just like, well, let's go fucking go, fucking go in the parking lot and shoot him first. I mean, it's just, he's ride or die. A little fun fact about Casey, uh, Jewel Shepard O'Bannon actually met her at a strip club where she worked as a stripper. You know, he initially wanted her in the role of trash, but understandably, she was pretty fed up with being naked for work after <laughs> after having done stuff like Hollywood hot tubs and Christina just before this, where she was basically nude the entirety of the film. Um, so she suggested actually auditioning for Casey since she liked a party. And uh, after this, though, Shepard kind of got typecast and went back to doing stuff like Party Camp and Hollywood hot tubs, too. So she's actually a writer now. Just a little fun fact there. Um, you know, and, and Nico brought up Spider and Suicide, and uh, both of them actually being in uh, Friday the 13th part five. And uh, the actor that played Scuzz, Brian Peck, the only person that played in all three Return of the Living Dead movies, so that's a little something there, too. And lastly, you know, and and not that literally any of this even remotely resembles realistic, honestly, it's borderline comedy, like I said, but could they have just chosen to have it like raining before the exact second of the smoke rising from the cremation chimney? Like, I mean, just, just come on, please. Anyway, go ahead.
2: That's what made it rain.
1: <laughs> you want to go first case?
2: Yeah. I'm going to kind of piggyback off what you said there for a second at the beginning. Um, you said it was interesting that they had date and time stamps kind of throughout the whole course of it. And that was something that I picked up on as well. This most recent time I watched the movie, Um, looking at the clock in the back of the mortuary when they're like looking at the weasel, rabid weasels or whatever the hell they were calling it. And you can see the clock and they're trying so hard to keep that time frame accurate throughout the entirety. So I think that's why they jump from scene to scene is to give some time in between. This is what's happening at the which is oh, gotcha. Resurrection Cemetery and yeah, then gotcha. again back at the mortuary. So I think that's one of the things that caught my attention, kind of analyzing the film in a different fashion than I've ever done before, other than just kind of nitpicking at it. Like, why did they put that in there? That's so dumb. Um, the other thing that I noticed that kind of caught my attention was um, in the mortuary when they are initially talking about rabid weasels, or not the, were they in the mortuary or were they in the morgue? Which one was it? They were in the embalming room. Embalming room? Okay, in the embalming room. And they're in the embalming room talking about it, um, the choice of gun, and that it was, it was just like readily available for him. He just all of a sudden had it. Um I thought that was very odd, but I didn't know your fun fact about him having previously but kind of been in that. He tried she, to kill Bert with it when Bert walked he in. he walked in initially with the headphones, yeah, when he had the headphones on. Um I just have a couple things about this set of scenes. Um this is actually the first movie ever to talk about zombies eating brains. So this set that standard for future horror movies, future zombie <laughs> movies
1: and pop culture because everybody says brains.
2: Yep, yep. Um the bumper sticker that says that. <laughs> yep. Um the song that trash is dancing to in the uh, in the cemetery, I freaking love that song. But she wasn't dancing to that song during filming. They actually switched it out um, to that song after the fact, and I think it was a good choice because it's. If you listen to it, it's. I mean, it's catchy. But the and then last thing I'll say in the set of scenes, if you if you look at the name on the cemetery and the funeral home is the Resurrection Cemetery. That's what it's called. So little little foreshadowing there.
0: Foreshadowing to. Pretty decent Halloween movie coming in the next few decades. Oh, never mind.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, also, uh, I, also I, I wanted to point out like that shot where you follow the rainwater down with those like nineteen fifties almost style effects. I really like that shot. It's it's iconic, I think, for this movie because Beetlejuice definitely rips that off. Like in a couple of years, <laughs> um, they they use that exact shot like two or three times too.
2: Yeah. In the in the cemetery also they rented every available headstone and um all that kind of like decor that they had there the out of Hollywood. They rented all of it and they ended up having to additionally make more as well. Because wow. Dan O'Bannon wanted the cemetery to look extremely full. And which it did. Yeah. No, I think he I think he really yeah, he pulled it that. off. Yeah. It's a cool cool shot for sure.
0: Yeah, I really like that uh rain going into the ground uh, shot as well. Uh, Bert thinks they're home free and he thanks Ernie for his help. Freddy says he's really sick and Frank says he is too. They tell Bert of the gas they breathe in when the canister leaked. Frank runs outside throwing up but they pull him back inside. Ernie calls for an ambulance. He tells them two men are poisoned. Casey asks the group if they hear something. We get slow-mo shots through the graveyard and we see the corpses emerging the graves and crawling. The, convert- the convertible's roof leaks now. Tina walks through the warehouse calling out for them to no answer. She goes into the basement now, still looking for Freddy. She sees the open canister, and she hears a noise and turns around, and a zombie chases after her. Brains, it says. Tina falls through the steps and hides in a closet. The zombie tries to use a chain and pulley to rip the door open. Suicide yells out for her, and they hear her cries. The zombie bites into Suicide's head. More brains, it says, as the group runs away. The paramedics show up to the funeral home. They examine Freddy and Frank, and they look terrible. Pale skin and orange tongues. They can't hear anything through their stethoscopes. No blood pressure or, uh, and no pulse. Spider nails the door shut and they run out the warehouse. They're back to the cemetery now and they hear a loud howl. They see a skeleton climb out the grave and all take off running. More, cur- more corpses emerge from their graves. Trash worse nightmare comes true as she's surrounded by zombies and attack. The paramedics tell Frank and Freddy their vitals show that they're dead, but dead people aren't responsive. We hear banging at the door and the group shows up to the funeral home. Spider tells Ernie it's dead people screaming. Chuck and Casey hide back into the warehouse as zombies chase them. The paramedics go outside and hear the screaming. They get into the ambulance, and they turn the lights on, and the guy up front is swarmed by zombies, and the guy in the back is overtaken. Spider tells Bert about the corpses coming out of the ground. Tina tells Bert there's, there's one in, the, in this warehouse as he snaps. She says there's a hundred of them out there. Casey and Chuck get to the office to call the cops but one dives through the window. Tina unites with Freddy, who looks terrible. All right, go ahead, Brian. (laughs) Uh,
1: So this is the first time you really get to see the zombies, which you can tell they definitely put a lot of time and effort into most of them. Um, So shout out to Tony Gardner and some others of uh, parts of his team. Gardner actually went on to do the effects for Zombie Land Double Tap. Love that movie. Hocus Pocus. I think Nico likes that one a little bit. And uh, and even Bad Grandpa. So, uh, But apparently this wasn't an easy movie at all to do. There was apparently a lot of chaos on set with makeup and things like that. I mean, some of the zombies look great. Some of them look like awful fake skeletons. So I can understand if there was some hectic, uh, hectic things going on there. Um, you know, we get the iconic Tar Man zombie here for the first time. That look has definitely become iconic through the years. And, hey, if you're itching for a prop, they don't sponsor us, but you can. But uh, Trick or Treat Studios has the Tarman Zombie based off of uh, William Stout's own artwork for order online right now, shipping April 22. That will uh, date us moving forward, I'm sure. But uh, anyway, bam, straight for the brains. I love that kill. That may be my favorite kill in the movie. Um, just how iconic it is. But again, like this is where it starts getting back into serious territory until the graveyard scene. And then I feel like I'm watching a Rocky horror picture show or some shit. And we're about to get a comedic dance number. So again, like what the fuck's going on here? Um, but I love the shot in the ambulance where they turn the light on or lights on the headlights on and all the zombies are standing there. That's probably my favorite shot in the entire movie. I thought that was, that was very well done and i wanted to point that out. And uh, lastly, you know, every time it flashes to Lena Quigley, I kept literally saying to myself, well, yep, your tits are out again. And then I was like, Oh, are they <laughs> out the entire movie? I mean, <laughs> but, uh, but at least in this set of scenes, she does at least get to put on a vest. So, Oh, also, Did anyone else notice the Freddie and Tina names? I mean, I I don't know this for sure, but Nightmare on Elm Street did come out two years before this. I'm just saying.
2: (laughs) They actually did that with a few of the names. uh, Bert and Ernie, uh, Freddie and Tina, and then also the paramedics uh, paramedics names are Tom and Jerry. (laughs) Oh, nice. Actually, was a theme thing.
1: Coincidence.
2: Yeah, right? (laughs) Keeps happening. When it starts to rain and it's acid rain and everything, after Trash has taken all of her clothes off and they're running back to the car, she's all mad that she doesn't have any clothes on and it's burning and she's like trying to pull everybody else's clothes off. Like, bitch, you left your clothes in the cemetery. Don't take my shit because you're irresponsible and needed all this attention. Um <laughs> when Tarman finds Tina in the basement and she's hiding in that like metal closet or whatever, uh I thought this was really interesting because I just wrote down, like, these are the smartest zombies ever. Oh, yeah. You know, not that they, in the 80s, they didn't really have much to, like, compare against. Yeah, but... Um, he magically knew how to... open up the door from, you know, how long the barrel been missing for ages. And yeah. And he knows how to use this, like, thing that's hooked up to the <laughs> ceiling and the, opens the door magically. <laughs> yeah. Runs the pulley with the chain perfectly. Um, but Dan O'Bannon actually said he didn't want... Um, well, Dan O'Bannon and, uh, uh, John Russo, they did not want stupid zombies. Like they wanted something that would make you scared of them. Something that could think something that could, something you wouldn't be able to beat easily. So there was actually thought behind that when the paramedics are in the embalming room, checking out Freddie and Frank, and they say, what do you mean? No blood pressure, no pulse. That has been a running like one liner in my family. For 150 years. Like, if we don't say that quote once a week, and it's probably because we've seen this movie so many times, but just every time I see that, we I laugh because it makes me think of my mom. She said it all the time. Anytime somebody was sick, you'd have to take that stupid temperature thing <laughs> under the tongue. And she'd be like, what do you mean, no blood pressure, no pulse? You're room temperature. Yep. So. And then, of course, back to foreshadowing, Trash got exactly what she didn't want. And that's, that's pretty much what I had for... I think these set of scenes,
0: all right. I got a quick question before I go on to the next one This is on my rewatch. <clears throat> when I saw Tar Man, kind of reminded me of uh Jason in part seven. Uh, does that, does uh, the, you know, the exposed spine and the the kind of look did, did that remind you what? of uh, or do you think maybe they drew a little inspiration from this? I mean, I didn't read that, but once I saw that exposed spine, I was like, I think Kane Hodder uh might be a fan of this movie. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just winging that. I don't know. It just made me think of it.
1: I mean, I, I think, I think you're right. It. I think a lot of movies took a lot from this. I mean, you know, this is a very beloved film. I mean, by a lot of people. Oh like yeah. Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is, I mean, it's just, you know, oh, not God. my type, but a lot of people love that, love that style, that whole dark comedy style. I
0: hate that movie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's The Conjuring, Nico hates it. <laughs>
0: oh no. <laughs> I just, hey,
2: I, I'm probably the <laughs> nicest person
0: on this show when it comes to movies. <laughs> That's, That's true. the hater. Uh, all right, let's go to the That's- next scene. <laughs> all right, Ernie goes out to the ambulance and sees no one, and the door is wide open. He closes the door and sees a like a dwarf zombie eating a paramedic's brains. He shoots it and runs back inside. Ernie tells Bert they're all over the cars. Bert says we have to call the police, but the phone's not working. Zombies start to punch through the glass in the door, and they barricade it with a big dresser. The guys get weapons and hit the zombies as they try and break in. A zombie tells the dispatch to send more paramedics for them to eat. They get back to the embalming room, and Spider and Scuzz forces Bert to tell them what happened. Freddy now tells them his side effects and what's happening to him. They pull his shirt up, and he's got blood pooling up in his back. Rigor mortis is setting in. Freddy screams as Scuzz says he's turning into one of the zombies. We hear more paramedics show up. They exit their vehicle and are immediately attacked by the zombies. The zombies begin to knock the boards down, and they grab a hold of Scuzz, and he's bitten in his head and killed. Bert blocks the hole up and Ernie stabs into the zombie and brings it into the embalming room to examine it. You can hear me, she says. Yes. She eats brains, not people. She goes it she says it hurts to be dead. She feels herself rot. Eating brains makes the pain go away. The three men walk out and Spider asks how we kill those things. Bert says burn them, but there's a hundred of those fuckers. Trash comes back to life and we see a homeless man pushing a cart. He looks up and sees Trash walking towards him, and she attacks him, killing him. The police station gets calls over the missing ambulances. Chuck and Casey are talking, wondering if they will come rescue them. Bert says we might have to lock Freddie and Frank up to be safe. Ernie says the chapel. The two men scream in agony as they are carried into the chapel. They set them down softly on the carpet. Tina says she's not leaving Freddie. Ernie, Bert, and Spider leave her with them. And the next two scenes are the ending. Go ahead, Brian. <laughs>
1: And maybe maybe it's the soundtrack that makes it so cheesy right here, especially during the scene where they're trying to reinforce the funeral home. And I mean, without that, it more resembles Night of the Living Dead. And maybe that's why O'Bannon made the choice with that to kind of separate it. I don't know. But shout out to those effects with the uh, with the zombie eating that ambulance driver's head. But then we get what but what, what you were talking about earlier, Joe, with the smart zombies. I mean, the dude gets on the fucking radio and says, send more paramedics. I was like. What? <laughs> I mean, I, anyway, I don't. I mean, I just full of good-looking zombies. But then that woman corpse that they have like tied up. Hell, for that for eighty-five, that looks pretty good. But having the conversation, this whole thing kind of this whole set of scenes is really where the movie kind of starts to lose me. Um, and I don't really understand what's happening here. Like besides a cool shot of the trash coming back out of the mud uh what did did it take the time to bury her too i mean and she's back back naked again but uh like what what's going on like she's got this makeover too like not like a disgusting zombie with torn flesh like it's a miracle i don't know it's what the fuck's going on in this movie i don't even know and uh this is as good a time as any i guess to tell you that dan o'bannon kind of claims he was surprised at how many women were in the initial audience and joked if he'd uh if he'd had such a large female following, he would have shown Freddie naked as well. <laughs>
2: <So>. hey <laughs> You want to go first case? Um, yeah. Um, so in this set of scenes, definitely the the scenes where you see the zombies starting to eat the brains, what kind of stuck out to me is the fact that they never finish eating the brains. They take like one or two bites and then move on and like run away to a new person. But the dead person is still sitting there eating or like dying and then all of a sudden becomes a zombie um I do love the the scene where they do send say send more paramedics I thought that was very creative and kind of funny to me I thought it was just a different twist on a series of this kind of a movie you know why why would zombies all of a sudden know how to talk same thing with why would you know a canned zombie all of a sudden know how to operate a door and a pulley system just the strangest little things that made it a little bit and more entertaining for me to watch um when they do have the lady kind of chained to the table um this is one of the scenes that um is kind of funny for us from an outside perspective i didn't know this until recently there was a bunch of people underneath the table operating her arms and her head and the spine um trying to move it as they had that it was in like an animatronic stage it wasn't like like you said cgi it wasn't back there back in the day um, so I thought that was pretty interesting that they had like four or five people underneath the table trying to operate it all at the same time. Um, and she had just the most awful looking boobs. I wish they could have made those <laughs> look a little bit better, maybe, but they were just some nasty ass Okay she's decomposing. <laughs> oh. They were hucky. Um, And then the spinal fluid definitely was an interesting side of it for me. You know, the fact that she's still leaking spinal fluid after what, how many years she was probably dead? Lord knows. That was a good touch, though. I'm like, ew. (laughs) So let me just rewind a little here. I I took my original notes here back in September, pre-COVID, when we were gonna originally do this and i'm like i'm looking at my notes trying to decode what i was talking about for this scene all i wrote down was midget zombie i'm like what did i mean no idea so i had like during the rewatch i'm like oh yeah there's a midget zombie actually eating one of the paramedics okay that makes sense i'm just like what did i write um when you see the first skeleton pop up through the dirt um, a lot of people don't know this. That's an actual real human skeleton that they had to run animatronics through the spinal cord. Because um, obviously there's no mass to hide the animatronics. So, But it was a real human skeleton. They bought it from a, um, not a medical supply f- facility, but like a university yeah, or a university something like that. that. So yeah. something that does medical, uh, Yeah. Sci- like scientific research or yep. whatever. And then like when they're, kind of like what you were talking about, Brian, when they're boarding up the funeral home. And there's like this 80s montage music, like John Cusack's gonna come out of the background. Like I get it, it's horror comedy, but what are we doing? And the song right. in the background, if you listen to it, it's it talks about like the living dead and stuff. Um and then so when in there when they're back in the uh in the embalming room and Scuzz pulls a switchblade on Ernie. Like, does anybody else think that the switchblade is just like the unofficial weapon of the '80s, and everybody has them?
1: Especially if you got if you're punk, if you're like a punk rocker guy, you know? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely, switchblade.
2: Everybody's got a switchblade. It like came back
1: from the '50s, like with the greasers. The greasers (laughs) had yes,
2: yes. Um, (laughs) And then, last thing I had for this set of scenes is the um, the pipe that bert has when he's like beating off all the zombies beating off no <laughs> beating the zombies <laughs> off with the
1: pipe. pause <laughs> no,
2: none of it sounds good when he's hitting the zombies originally it was a, a steel pipe but the i guess there was some bad not bad blood but a little a little heat between dan o'bannon and uh Bert. They took the metal pipe from him and replaced it with a rubber one because they thought he was really going to hit somebody and just like blow up. Apparently he had a little bit of a temper.
0: Nice. Goodness.
2: <laughs> the old switcheroo. <laughs> All
0: right, y'all. Here's the ending. Two cops find the ambulances as they touch base with dispatch. They exit the police car and investigate. They find the dead paramedic. Then the two men are overrun by zombies and the zombie radios for more cops. Ernie suggests nitric acid to combat them. Back to the chapel and Freddy and Frank are not having a good time. Freddy says he can finally see and he goes to attack Tina. Live brains. Frank sneaks out as Bert fights off off Freddy. Ernie throws the acid all over him. Back to the embalming room and the zombie lady yells out, Brains! Brains! They said they gotta make a run for the cars. We can't stay here anymore. Ernie's foot is broke from the bench falling on it. Bert and Spider make a run for the police car fighting the zombies off. They make it into the car and begin to drive towards the funeral home. They were swarmed and have to abandon them. They drive through the fence of the graveyard, but there is an army of zombies in the street. Bert crashes the car, and he and he and Spider make it into his warehouse with Chuck and Casey. Freddy is on a mission to find Tina. Tina and Ernie make it into the roof. The furnace turns on Frank, takes his wedding ring off. He kneels in front of it and asks for forgiveness. He climbs into the oven, killing himself. Now we see helicopters and more cops arrive, but they're all overrun by a bunch of zombies. The helicopter tells them anyone wishing to surrender make it to the perimeter. Bert says they're getting to the basement to get to that phone. He's going to knock its block off. We see Freddy trying to get into the roof with them. Freddy wants to eat her brain. Spider opens the door to the basement and Bert knocks his head off with a baseball bat. They make it into the basement. Bert calls the police and Bert tells them the place is full of rabid people. The cops at the barricade now see all the zombies running towards them. And begin attacking them. Bert now calls the army. They connect to the colonel and he and Bert talk and the colonel takes notes on the events that happened. Colonel goes to his phone and tells them they found the lost Easter eggs. It's in Louisville, Kentucky and the eggs have hatched. A man operating a tank launches a missile and we see Freddy break into the roof and then a giant explosion. 5.01 a.m. Eastern Time. Spectacular results. Less than 4,000 dead. All should be back to normal by morning, the colonel says as we see more slow motion shots and more skeletons emerge from the graves. All right, Brian, that's the ending. What'd you think?
1: Uh, yeah, it, it was interesting. Um, I, I love the scene with the two cops, uh, right up until we get Sidmore more cops again. I was just like, really? I mean, mm-hmm. but you know, the effects with Freddie dying, finally, I, I think Matthews does a tremendous job. Um, also, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but on the back of Freddy's jacket in the theatrical version, the words <laughs> "fuck you" are displayed. But uh, and after realizing that the shot couldn't be used in case it was ever shown on TV, which was used to be an issue, I guess. But uh, you know, a second jacket was made that says "television version" and can be seen in the TV <laughs> version of that movie. I thought that was that was funny. That's a nice little touch. Um, and Ernie, you dumb motherfucker! Like he's trying to nail sh- shut the doors as Freddy's busting through the middle of them, like. <laughs> What and then he breaks his foot doing what? Like I don't even. I was like, what is going on? Um, that and the brains corpse on the table cracked me up because she was just like brains, 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 brains and like it got a little bit, got a little bit funny, a little bit actually there. And you know, Tom talked about this a little bit in his interview with us, and and how they wanted him to come back for part two, and he was like, uh, what? I'm dead. Um, but this whole scene with Frank and the cremation oven that was actually James Karen's own idea. Um understandably he didn't want to be full zombie in the LA ring. I get that. That's totally understandable. Um, And it was his move um, to take the wedding ring off too. So I I think he did a a good job. Um, Now the ending I'm a fan of, you know, except for the artillery specialist using hot dog for the H in phonetic (laughs) alphabet. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Hot dog is the H. Okay. All right. All three Um,
2: letters were wrong. None of them are wrong.
1: (laughs) But the hot dogs one stood out.
2: It's a little dramatic,
1: yeah. (laughs) And uh, the the, you know then we get the same recycled shot of that whole CVS looking skeleton that we got earlier. You know, and admittedly, I haven't seen the others. Um, So how does this continue? Like, how does this continue with Tom Matthews and them coming back? Does this or and they've blown up this entire town? Like, have you guys seen the, the sequels?
2: Yes. I don't remember like the continuity, continuity, wow,
1: continuity. Conti-
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the <laughs> word. Yes, <laughs> no, I don't remember either. I don't remember. Anyway, either.
1: go ahead, go ahead.
2: So the send more cops thing definitely was com- comedic to me. It was hilarious. I do love the fact that the co- the zombies let the cops get out of the car, wait long enough to investigate, so they were far enough away from the ambulance or from the cop car to the ambulance that they could get bombarded. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, And then the next kind of switch over was, you know, knock the block off. That was definitely a hilarious scene to me just because they sawed the head off of the first one. Why do we think that's going to help with the second zombie? Not a clue why they decided that that was a good idea, maybe just to kind of fix it. But then there was a whole nother body in the basement that, We've seen them come back at this point. How do you know this one's not going to come back? Um, but they didn't seem to think about that. And not one person in that whole scene is watching the body that's laying on the floor, which is suicide, I believe. And they're just focused on just the phone call. And it was just a, a frustrating scene for me to watch. I was like, you guys have been worried about this the whole time, but aren't paying attention to the one guy behind you?
1: Your that mom's. you're locked in a room with. <laughs> right.
2: And then the, the whole ending definitely had a... A Resident Evil feel for me. That's kind of feel, yeah, how I feel like it, it ended. But then we're gonna bring it back because everyone here is a moron and didn't listen to the person that just told them what happened. Good point. Um. So, Brian pretty much said everything I was gonna say, so I'm not gonna repeat it. But a um, couple things the the half corpse on the table. So when it was originally created by Tom Gardner. He did not want the nipple shot. <laughs> he actually had it like a nightgown. Um, and apparently there was a lot of arguing back and forth. Um, and we ended up with
1: nipples. So <laughs> why not? <laughs> well, I mean,
2: there was like, there was a big question about like, is it going to change the ratings? She's not a real person, this whole thing. So um, Frank's death. I really like Frank's death. But yeah. he, and I like that he came up with it, that and took the wedding ring off and hung it on the little thing. I thought that was a a good touch. Um, When Colonel Glover gets called and they wake up out of bed and Mrs. Glover's from the forties because she's sleeping with a robe on. You see the whole time she's on the phone and you can see it just pisses her off that somebody like is, has the, the audacity to call them in the middle of the night, like she's just like, who could be calling this yes. late? Like, there's not an actual emergency on the line, but
1: I'm surprised they didn't have twin beds. So yeah, I completely I agree. It yes, was like definitely yeah. from the fifties.
2: Well, she, uh, yeah, history he treated her like shit. So oh that's yeah, he was an nice. ass. That's a story for another day. But um, I like that they called them the Easter eggs, and when said, "Well, it would be good news," but they hatched. <laughs> 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 and when he's talking about how. They had this contingency plan and they're just gonna bomb the whole city. The end.
1: <laughs> I mean, you can't really do a whole lot else. So I'm kinda yeah. glad they went that route. Yeah. All right, y'all,
0: any more final thoughts on the ending before we just jump into some social media comments and questions? All right, uh on Twitter, uh you know, blood donor of the show, Edwin Hernandez gun, he commented that he loves this movie and the second one. So I guess Brian, we do need to at least check the second one out. Uh On Facebook, Dennis Kennedy, he commented, great movie, this is one of my go-to horror films. Uh, He also commented, this is a very good one to give someone who's new to horror. I'd probably agree with that. Mm -hmm. And Joe, congratulations, you finally picked a movie that Kevin Pottoff likes. He hates everything else we've done recently.
1: You're the only one.
0: (laughs) Out of
2: 180, yes!
0: (laughs) And and I quote, fucking finally, damn fine classic movie.
1: (laughs) 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 <laughs> he cracks my ass up. He Dude, he me.
0: is such a hater. Shout out to Kevin. <laughs> uh, and Shan, another huge fan of the show. We really appreciate her. This is a fun one. Can't wait to hear it. Great one to pick, Joe. So uh, that's all the social media comments we have. uh You ready to jump into fun facts? I've only got a few of them. Sure. I've only got two. Okay. I don't think this one was said, but some of the zombie extras were paid bonus to eat real calf brains in the film. Dan O'Bannon didn't want the actors to do anything he wasn't willing to do. And ate some raw calf brains first in front of them to show yeah. that he wouldn't ask them to do anything he wasn't willing to do himself. Appreciate the commitment. Yeah. Uh, Miguel A. Nunez Jr. was homeless when he was casting this movie. I think that's a nice story of a come up for him. Wow. Because uh, mm-hmm. then he was in Friday 13th, part five, I think, yeah. in the exact same year. Right. And then just to uh, follow up with Joe's comment about getting approval from Lysol. Uh, Lysol said they like the idea that Lysol could w- would kill any conceivable odor, so even <laughs> even zombie smell, Lysol can kill it.
1: I <laughs> only have two. The uh, according to a recently released book, the complete history of the Return of the Living Dead, um, the Simpsons creator Matt Groening actually came up with the tagline: "They're hungry and they're not vegetarians." which appears in some of the trailers. Um, another tagline came up with was, uh, first they want to meet you, then they want to eat you. That was rejected by the studio, apparently. And uh, <laughs> lastly, uh, a young George Clooney visited the set as he was then roommate of Tom Mas- Matthews. I would have asked him about that if I'd have known about that at the time we did that interview. Who's George Clooney? I've never heard of that guy. No, I'm either. i <laughs> nobody. He's not good looking either. No, he's not. Uh, Joe, Casey, y'all got any
0: fun facts?
2: Um, I got one more, um, Dan O'Bannon did an interview before he passed away. Rest in peace. He said that Hitchcock was sleeping in his trailer during the making of Psycho and he wanted to be like Hitchcock. So he spent a lot of time sleeping in his trailer, according to this interview. Okay. (laughs) That's just because he wanted to be like Hitchcock. Dream big.
0: Yeah. Shoot for the stars. Uh Uh-huh. since uh, organic Mike's not here tonight, I'll uh, I'll do the box <laughs> office for him. <laughs> money, Mike. The budget was estimated four million dollars according to IMDb, and the gross was fourteen million two hundred and thirty-seven thousand eight hundred and eighty bucks. Wow! Okay. So ten million dollar profit. That's nothing to scoff at, especially in '85. Oh, exactly, it's so mm-hmm. a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, it's time. Favorite kill. Least favorite kill in the rating. Joe I have Casey. More fun
2: fact, I lied. Sorry. No,
0: uh, go no ahead. It's, it's it's too late now. We're, we're, we're <laughs> I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> uh Tom Matthews went and pierced his ear for this role because that's what his character uh description was in the script, because he didn't know that you could have a fake one. So he, no. he for real pierced his ear.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> Something that's else that's I wish I'd have asked him about.
2: Yep. Real commitment. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Nico. Go ahead. What were you going to? No,
0: you're good. You're good. Shout out to Tom Matthews, friend of the show. Check out the interview at where to, Brian?
1: Don't go out there.com.
0: That's right. uh No, that's rating favorite kill, least favorite kill. uh Joe, Casey, I want to go first or last. Ricky Bobby style. Last. All
2: right.
0: You're I'll, I'll just best. go first. Then I'll read Dustin's. How about that, Brian? Then you can go. Sounds good. All right. My favorite kill, I chose Suicide. Love the tar man biting his head. I just thought it was a good little pop. Uh, I wish we would have got more Tar Man in this movie, honestly. Uh, least favorite kill, I chose Trash, Linnea Quigley, Surrounded and Killed. I mean, there was a lot of Surrounded and Killed movies, but she's a legend, and uh, I just picked her. Uh, all right, my little summary. I acknowledge this as a classic and a horror fan's favorite. However, I just think it's okay. Uh, not a big fan of the zombie genre of horror, and this movie is pretty damn cheesy. Some of the cheese is okay, though. Some of the effects look good, some not so much. The kills aren't great either. I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, I already said this earlier, but as a big Friday the Thirteenth franchise fan, I love seeing Tom Matthews and Miguel Nunez Jr. Great music throughout the flick. It's not terrible, but it's just not personally my cup of tea. I gave it a, a five and a half. And let me pull up Dustin's rating and I'll read his off real quick. He said I gave it a five and a, a five and a quarter. This type of intentionally cheesy '80s horror annoys me unless executed flawlessly. And this one just wasn't. It didn't work for me. It had some decent laughs and it has the great Tom Matthews, but it's on my I won't intentionally watch it again list. Sorry, Joe. Still love you. You're one of my favorite <laughs> listeners.
1: <laughs> um, so my favorite kill I've already said it was suicide as well. I just I thought it was just one of those iconic kills. My least favorite kill, I I think I picked I picked the hobo. You know, I think he was killed by uh trash, the zombie trash, but I was so that was at the moment where I was like, what the fuck is going on? Why is she, what, what's, and so I don't know, maybe I missed it. I don't know, but that's what I picked for uh, my least favorite kill. As far as my rating goes, uh, I actually like a lot of, a lot of this movie. Um, it's fun. Uh, I can, I can definitely see how you could sit down and, and have some fun with it. I definitely want to kind of catch the second one, um, at some point and make it a, a, a priority to watch that just because, you know, Tom Matthews is back and I kind of want to see what they did with this. I kind of want to see where they went with it. Um, I actually gave it a five point seven five as well, um, just because you know I really I like about half the movie, and the other half kind of goes a little bit too too cheese for me. And so, five point seven five—that's not bad. Go ahead.
2: My least favorite kill was also suicide, which I think is hilarious because that was actually one of the most iconic scenes in the movie, as well as a lot of everybody's favorite kill. Right. Um, but for me, it was just—I don't know—I didn't like it. Wasn't that good to me. But I'd had a really high standard up for movie kills at this point when I started watching this. I grew up from the age of four watching horror (laughs) movies with these crazy people ahead of me. Shout out to mom. (laughs) Shout out to mom and my brothers and my dad and my sister (laughs) for, you know, teaching me the ropes young. You know, growing up with, you know, the the scariest of the scariest. This one just to me didn't seem that awesome. Um, But I get it for It's Time. It was probably very iconic. It's Time. She was born in the 90s. Unbelievable. But. Okay, I've watched quite a few movies over the decades that I've. She's know the why. baby of the family. <laughs> uh, my favorite, um, my favorite kill was Trash, just because it was so much foreshadowing. You kind of already knew ahead of time that that's really what was going to happen to her, just because she was such a, a horrible character in the film. Not that her acting or anything was like that, but I just I didn't like her character. She frustrated me, and she just is kind of a moron. Y'all ain't never get Lenee on this show. <laughs> I just, I didn't like the character. I didn't, know. I didn't like her. <coughs> um, so that was where I came from. Um, for my rating, um, I'm rating it an 8 out of 10 on my scale, just because it means a lot to me. This movie is so much fun to watch. It's not necessarily a classic, like, scary movie, but I also grew up on scary movies. So this one, for me, the com- comedic relief was awesome, which is where I gave the 8 out of 10. Okay. Enjoy. All right. My, my favorite kill was Frank. Again, just because I like that it was his idea. He didn't want to be he didn't want to turn into a zombie. I love the fact that he took his wedding ring off. It just that was that was my favorite one. Mm, My least favorite was suicide also. But only because I think he deserves some more time on screen. Like like he got killed off so early for being like the baddest, you know, of the friends. Like, you know, and he's like. Six seven in real life, like he's just this huge dude, and then he's like the first one to get killed off. I'm like, he deserves the a alpha. More time. Take the
1: alpha out early. Jail oh, rules. They,
2: they <laughs> yeah, they sure did. Um, just because I thought he deserved a little more time on screen. Um, I rated it an eight out of ten, also because I like that it's you know kind of a horror comedy. I like that it wasn't the first of its kind to do it, but it was. I mean very early in this kind of mixed genre. The little I, bit of meta.
1: I would definitely argue the, the most popular one to do it if it wasn't the first. And yeah like I definitely said, I think I think Chainsaw Two uh definitely saw how well it did and uh took yeah, yeah took some note from it for sure. Yeah. Ugh. There
2: were some others
1: <laughs> there <laughs> were some others but mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Yeah, it was I didn't like it either, I agree to be honest with you. Like we spent the whole time in the radio station. No. Anyway <laughs> um but yeah i I like that it was kind of the first you get a little glimpse of meta. nobody did that in eighty five anyways um plus this one you know holds a special place in our heart. So it always comes back to the nostalgia with me every time. Every time I'm on this show, I'm like, I just like this movie because we watched it a lot. And <laughs>
0: hey, there's there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, our I, I, nostalgia is a big part of uh, the viewer the viewing experience. That's true. Uh, with the five ratings that we had, it came out to a six point five, and IMDb is at seven point three with okay. fifty eight thousand eight hundred and thirty three reviews. So we're pretty close, I would say, to
1: IMDb. Not
0: too far away. What do they know?
1: Yeah, what do they know? <laughs> oh, and before before we get off of here, I wanted to say Lene Quigley and Beverly Randolph and Jewel Shepard, call Mike sometime.
2: <laughs> I was waiting for it. I was
0: waiting for it. <laughs> oh, mileage Mike. Uh, any, any any more uh, final thoughts on Return of Living death? Or your shout-out to the blood donors? Our, our camp level reoccurring are Clayton J, Nina, Michelle Merza, Andrew Ferguson, Carrie Adams, the Horror Movie Crew Podcast, Alex Seligson, and a nude blood donor is Eric Doolittle. Camp Counselor reoccurring, Hunter Nelson, Karen, Shan Petracevic, Dennis Kennedy, Edwin Hernandez Gunn, and Joe Larson. Who is that, Brian? I'm not sure who that is. Our legendary so blood donors nerd. are we just <laughs> we just finished her review. Joe Swinford. We just finished her legendary blood donor review. Joe Swinford. Uh, and with Missy Hutchinson Wall looking forward to Taurus Trap, which also has Linnea Quigley in it. Fun fact. And our Did final girl donor. <laughs> that, no, I think she's just a mannequin or something in it. I think she oh. said. <laughs> but hey, it just sounds good when we reach out. Hey, we're about to review Taurus Trap. We've done Silent Night, Deadly Night. You know, and we're reviewing
1: your stuff. Now come on the show. Peek behind the What's curtain. Up? I've already tried to hit her up and got ghosted.
0: All right. I'm about to dive in the DMS and in on Instagram. I'm coming. <laughs> uh, Final girl donor is Danny C CNAPS. Looking forward to her review in February. Uh, just want to thank all our blood donors. Like I said, tonight and previous episodes, you can do a podcast for free, but you won't do a very good one. I don't think it takes money. And uh, sure. we really appreciate all the fans and listeners who help support us financially to pay for the hosting, pay for the our recording platform, pay for our website. You know I mean? Without you, this would be a lot harder on us. So y'all take a big burden off of us. We really appreciate all of our fans and our blood donors who help us out. Uh, we're we're a team and a unit, I would say. Uh yeah. any more final thoughts before we get out of here? Joe, Casey, really appreciate y'all. Y'all, are, yeah, y'all thank, are
1: awesome. Yeah, thank y'all so much for coming on, for your support, for everything. Please come back.
2: For those of us who don't know, how do we become a blood donor?
1: Go ahead, Brian. This is this is all you right here.
2: <laughs> this is where
1: Just visit uh don't go and you click on Donate.
2: Well, I'm not. And I had just written down because this was so much fun. And I love listening to your guys' podcasts and um, everything you. that I do. I kind of do, whether I love it or hate it, if I don't like it, I won't do it. You know, I just won't. Um, so this is one of the things that I find very entertaining. It's fun to do. Um, and my original thought with uh, Joe, I call her Rosie, but Joe, um, was to do my Bloody Valentine and okay. um, I'd heard that that was one that hadn't been done on the show before. So I was thinking maybe making a donation, getting my own vote on the movie. Getting you well, a solo show.
0: Yeah, time out, time out. The, the new one or the old one?
2: Uh, the new one with uh, Jensen Ackles.
0: Oh, I, I I actually like that movie. It's pretty decent.
2: Yeah. He's very tall and very funny.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, uh, let's come on, come back on. Let's do it.
0: Yeah, we'll make We'll make time. I mean, the next couple of months are booming, but fuck it, we'll make time. <laughs> that was man. Know, we, we need to do a bonus. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, all right, anywho, uh, let's get out of here, Joe Casey. Appreciate y'all. Thank you to all of our blood donors, and y'all have a good one. Happy New Year.
2: See ya. Bye. Rings.
0: Rings. Just want to remind everybody.